These towns are open Saturdays till 4 online at hammerchevy.com. At the foot of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo is an amazing restaurant with a new look and feel called Cattle Guard Steakhouse and Saloon. This restaurant, formerly known as Winchester's, offers a true West lively and upscale dining experience. Call now to secure your reservation and experience what delicious food, spectacular service, and amazing prices are once again. If you have to sit for a spell, you can enjoy a drink from the bar. Call 684-8636, Cattle Guard Steakhouse and Saloon, 117 Highway 16 East in Buffalo. It started out as free. But then they said it would only be a few cents a day. What you're hearing is real. It may be happening to you. It ended up being a lot every month. These are the voices of frustration. I pay for streaming video, then the cloud storage, then streaming audio. Where does it end? This is the sound of nickel and diming syndrome. It's a real thing. It is a real thing. I just want to hear my music. Is that so wrong? There is hope for millions of people. There's radio. Radio? Radio with zero down and zero per month. Radio delivers all the news, music, and entertainment you want when you want it for free. No usernames, passwords, or Wi-Fi connection required. Here's my card number. It's 7354. Shh, don't speak. When you listen to a Sheridan Media radio station, you'll never need that. This is so wonderful. <laughs> yes, it is. The cure for nickel and diming syndrome. I could use a hug. <laughs> it's radio. No subscription required. Dreaming of green grass, sunny days, and long drives down the fairway? Well, so are we. It's time to get ready for the 2022 season at Kendrick Golf Course. Rates are still extremely reasonable, making Kendrick Sheridan's best golf value. Take advantage of their preseason discounts and save even more. Discounted passes now on sale at City Hall or online at SheridanWY.gov through March 31st. The snow will be gone and the grass will be greening up before you know it. Don't miss out. Play this season at Kendrick Golf Course. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by Elias and Financial. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whitey. Good morning, and welcome to Public Pulse. Brought to you by Elias and Financial. For my first guest this morning, I am joined by the Museum at the Bighorns Executive Director, Michaela Laro. Good morning, Michaela. Good morning. Oh, let me switch your... That was my fault. Oh. I didn't turn your microphone am, am, I, am I here? <laughs> Look at me getting lazy on a Monday. <laughs> well, good morning <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> now, uh, you've got uh, the museum opened earlier this month. How's traffic been so far? Traffic has been okay. Earlier this month, it was pretty quiet, no surprise, early March, but um, it looks like we're getting some of our first tourists through as, you know, spring break uh, hits for the kids, and, uh, you know, people have decided they would like to maybe possibly brave snowstorms. Yeah. (laughs) So, kind of getting those first early birds catching the worm rolling. Now, when when does it really kind of kick off for you? When do you really start seeing folks? Is it as late as June, or do you really kind of kick it in May? It, it is a kind of June. Memorial Day weekend seems to kind of be the synchronized spot where schools are out, people have decided there's not going to be any more snowstorms, it's 
you know, still cool, it's not hot yet, and so that's when we'll really start to see kind of that surge in visitation. That is that is my favorite time of the year, uh, May, June. Mm-hmm. You know, the the July heat hasn't hit, so nothing's <laughs> started to go brown just yet. Uh-huh. So the we got aren't at full force. N- not coming at you, yeah, not ravishly, yeah. but uh, it it's it's green. It's a little moist out there, but but mainly you can look down through the field mm-hmm. and see the green of the fields going up into the mountains, the blue of the mountains. And to me, that is just the perfect time of year. And I've often thought, well, you live in the wrong spot because it's only about two months yeah. <laughs> that you get that. And then the heat of the summer kicks and everything slowly starts to go brown. And I think it's usually by August everything starts to get a little dry for me. Yeah, I mean, depending on the year, like if it's last year, everything's pretty just. Yeah, <laughs> right away, right? Yeah, yeah I'm worried like about that this year, and too. You can just feel all the moisture being sucked from your skin. So Now, uh, you've got uh, a couple new exhibits up there, and how how have they been up there uh, with, uh, like, the wildlife and... Have you had a lot of kids coming in feeling the? Uh, I, I don't know what to call it. You, yeah, the 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 pelts, uh, pelts. touch interactive. Yeah, the yeah. interactive yeah. exhibits. Uh, there's pelts that you can touch. Mm-hmm. And what it, was it? Four or five boxes that you can smell and try to guess that. Yeah, so it smells like agriculture, which is our warning to everyone who has hay fever. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the kids uh, are enamored with the pelts, for sure. Um, it's not so much a guessing game, depending on their age, as it is. I just want to pet this because it's soft. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and some of the kids get a little bit too aggressive with the soft pelts. <laughs> Makes you concerned for kittens and dogs, but... Um, uh, they they've enjoyed it. Um, for the, the adults who are you know really into pelts, the the one that kind of throws them off is uh, the bighorn sheep. Um, really? Yeah. So we get a lot of guesses that you know is it deer because it's it's thick, kind of like a deer, but it's thicker. So what what would it be? So that that kind of throws people for for a loop. Um, but uh, that one is definitely well enjoyed. And then it smells like agriculture. Um, the funniest one is we had a, a little tyke in the museum, and he decided um, that instead of smelling, he was going to put his fist through the mesh, and he was going to get to the sweet feed. Uh, and I was on the floor doing something at that point. And I was like, ah, oh, maybe not do that, please. Like, I didn't envision sweet feed all over the museum. Let's, let's not. Um, but, uh, the kids seem to really enjoy that one, especially, um, when trying to guess, like, what does that smell like? Yeah. Um, the one most people get is dirt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, if you want to talk about ag, I mean, we could have done something else, but dirt was the safer option. <laughs> and, you know, good dirt smells good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just got this very distinctive scent to it. And I'm not talking like... The stuff that you buy in a bag. I'm no. talking like out in the field. Field, yeah. Kind of been, composted. Yes. Ready. Uh, it's been taken care filled. of. Oh, mm-hmm. It's got an amazing smell, and I love it. Uh, my father used to drag the field every year, and uh, it was great to stand out there afterwards and just kind of 
smell the field. Mm-hmm. You know, the agriculture has a very distinctive smell. And, and it does. I, th- I think, uh, you know, maybe it's something that might be lost on those individuals who live in big cities. But those of us from the country, you know, a lot of things that some people would think, oh, that smells gross or that's dirty. It's like the smell of home. Yeah, versus me who's like, what does that remind me of? I know that's yeah. <laughs> so Everyone's like, oh, roll up the windows. And I'm like, no, let me stick my head out. Yeah, how do you identify that's, this? That's, those are memories right yeah. there. We don't want to get rid of those. <laughs> now, uh, some of those who may not know about those the new exhibits that are up there since, uh, uh, let's see, your last appearance, we talked about them at length. But for those who weren't tuned in that day, what are the new exhibits? Yeah, so we have three new in-house exhibits, um, which are Welcome to the Bighorn National Forest, Charlie, um, and um, the land. And then we have a uh, temporary or traveling exhibit that we currently have until the end of July, which is healthcare on the reservation. Um, so those are the newest uh, features, if you will, at the museum. Now, when was the last time you guys got to have a class from one of the schools up there? Has it been a while since you uh, had that? I believe it was last fall. We had um, some kiddos in from Schiffer. Oh, great, so, great. Yeah, so so COVID didn't prevent that from happening to the point where it's just been years since you've seen the kids. Well, yes, but no. <laughs> Um, you know, obviously in 2020, we didn't see anybody. Anyone, yeah. Um, in 2021, it was a bit better. Um, we had a couple, uh, probably about a dozen or so school tours. Um, and then we had one or two in the fall. Um, for some of our older kids that were looking at very specific niche parts of history. Um, but yeah, so this year we're, um, starting to take reservations for school tours up at the Oh, fantastic. Good deal. How's that finally having, uh, the crowd back in? It's good, but nerve wracking at the same time. Cause it's just like, what did we do with this amount of children at one point? <laughs> you got to relearn yeah, the whole we process. Yeah, we have to kind of relearn. Um, but it, it's nice. It's nice to have the kids in there and being excited and, going through the exhibits and asking questions. So it's uh, it's nice to have the kids in the museum and engaging with their history. Out of every little group that comes through, can you identify the one? You're going to be a historian. You're really interested in this kind of stuff. Is, is there usually at least one or two that just really engage themselves? Um, there are. But I don't think I've ever been able to kind of like pinpoint that type of interest with the kids just because they're at the museum for such a short amount of time. But you can definitely tell the kids who are interested and excited about getting the chance to learn in a different environment um, and who uh, take the packet as a challenge. (laughs) Um, As in like it's a competition challenge uh, (laughs) and they're going to win. Um, we can usually identify those ones because they are right on top of anything and everything being like, so the answer is this. And it's like, yes. <laughs> They're ready to go. Yes, they are ready. <laughs> I love it. Now, uh, we talked a little bit about the history of healthcare on the Crow and Northern Cheyenne Reservations exhibit last time you were here. Uh, I, I wasn't sure how the crowd was going to take it. Um, you say 
a lot of people go in there, they just kind of check it out and, and, and move on. You haven't seen too much reaction uh, yet. Uh, yeah, we haven't re- seen a whole lot of reaction uh, to uh, the exhibit. It just seems to be a lot of just kind of curiosity and yeah. understanding, which is great and which is what is, uh, you know, definitely uh, needed. So uh, um, not a whole lot to report in regards to that exhibit. I think there's just a, that's, that's a very large portion of uh, U.S. government history that a lot of us don't know about who didn't grow up on those reservations, who didn't have to deal with that health care system. Um, you know, we're ignorant towards it. Mm-hmm. And and after learning that, my reaction was just, if you want the truth, it was sadness, a lot of sadness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I walked out of there after that exhibit. Yeah, it is definitely a heavy exhibit. It is definitely an exhibit that has a lot of truth to it. Um, and I think what especially just makes it so emotionally charged in many ways is that when you're going through the exhibit, you have the real-life words of people who experienced it. This is how I was treated. This is what I was told. This happened without my consent or knowledge. And we live now in a world where that's unfathomable. Yeah. You know, how could, let's say, a doctor just decide they're, while you're in for, let's say, getting your tonsils out, that they're going to do another procedure on you that you don't know about? And that nobody will tell you about until, let's say, 10 years later, you're down here at the Sheridan Hospital, and the doctor goes, hey, when not you have this removed? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't. Well, according to your medical file, yeah, you did. You know, it's something that is very, very much no longer a part of our world, which, which is good for us, for sure. Um, but it is something that has happened, and that can be kind of difficult to, like, process through, especially when you have the words of people who went through it, because it's very much the human emotion and human existence. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of the shock of it when when you realize the, the gravity of that situation. It's a lot to take in when you realize how horrible it was for these poor people. Uh, I would suggest anyone go up there and check it out, walk through that exhibit, read everything. Uh, that was that was my thing. Really get in there. Now, um, Sugar Beets, uh, I knew they were farther east, but I did not know that they were huge here. Tell me about the new exhibit, The Land. Yeah, so The Land is one of our newest in-house exhibits that we did. Um, and it, we kind of, it's, it's difficult to encapsulate some of Wyoming's agricultural <laughs> history into such a... Uh, tight space, you know, some museums dedicate entire floors to it, Um, but uh, the land uh, looks at the history of open range in Wyoming, Um, the closing of the range, the great die-off, we then look at um, our centennial ranchers here in um, Sheridan County, who they are, what the family has raised, how that's transitioned over the years. Um, and then, as you mentioned, we start looking at more of our very distinct uh, agricultural aspects. So, yes, sugar beets, holly seed, uh, the sugar factory here in town, you've probably driven past it a time or two. Uh, sugar beets used to be a huge industry, not only here in Sheridan County, but in Wyoming and across the nation. Um, before we started refining uh, sugar canes into sugar, 
uh, sugar beets were the primary sugar source for the country. And so if you could grow sugar beets, it was great. And what made them fabulous for Wyoming is they're pretty drought uh, tolerant. So that taproot on that sucker is deep (laughs) and it's good. And then the other thing, in addition to being fairly drought tolerant, is that they could be grown in like rocky, not the greatest soil. You know, they're not... They're not uh, maybe prissy like corn or wheat. (laughs) Very specific soil conditions. Some of the lighter agriculture. Yeah, some of the lighter things. (laughs) Um, And so sugar beets that were prevalent throughout the county at one point in time, um, we actually in the 30s had to build a cement highway from the factory down towards the Bighorn because the sugar beet trucks were so heavy that they were sinking in the mud and getting stuck. Yeah. Uh, and so we needed something for them to actually roll on. Of course, by building the highway, it also increased the regular local traffic from Bighorn to Sheridan and vice versa because it was a nice, smooth drive. Yeah. Uh, you and know, back then, that was something kind of alien to a few people, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're used to having to go over – Dirt roads and hey, if you buy a car, you better be your car's mechanic. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was definitely a luxury. I, I have little doubt. And then, um, you know, added to it, part of the reason why the factory was built um, is because we used to put the sugar beets on the rails to go to Billings. Um, but it turns out, for as hardy as sugar beets are, when they're pulled under the ground, they can become quite delicate. And they don't like having heavy things on them, which if you can imagine a car, uh, rail car full of sugar beets, some of those sugar beets are going to be damaged in transit because uh, everything's heavy on top of them, yeah. to say the least. So, yeah, so we look at sugar beets. We look at um, the history of the Red Angus and Paul Herfords and um, uh, some of the kind of stories that come with um, – Sheridan County. Something, you know, agriculture shaped our land. Very much so. All right. When we return, we're going to continue with the Museum at the Bighorns. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Share. Spring cleaning time, and few things make you feel better than having a clean, shiny car or truck. It's almost like driving a new vehicle. Everybody seems to be checking you out. Feel that way again with a stop at Martini Detailing. The Martini crew will have you looking shiny and new in no time. They'll even pick up and deliver your vehicle within the city limits. Hey, it's not too early to get a gift card for Mother's Day as well. Visit Martini Detailing today at 409 Broadway in Sheridan. JR Civil believes employees are their biggest and best asset, and employee safety is their number one priority. With that in mind, JR Civil is currently looking for superintendents, operators, and laborers with water main and sewer main installation experience. JR Civil offers competitive wages and a company benefits package for qualified individuals that includes health, dental, vision, life, and long term disability insurance. Sound good? Apply online today at jrcivil.com or call Terry at 307 751 5089. Dreaming of green grass, sunny days, and long drives down the fairway? Well, so are we. It's time to get ready for the 2022 season at Kendrick Golf Course. Rates are still extremely reasonable, making Kendrick Sheridan's best golf value. 
Take advantage of their preseason discounts and save even more. Discounted passes now on sale at City Hall or online at SheridanWY.gov through March 31st. The snow will be gone and the grass will be greening up before you know it. Don't miss out. Play this season at Kendrick Golf Course. Hoops Hysteria, presented by Sheridan Motors and Homestar. Now, if you missed the morning show, here's what you missed. In a blowout, I might add. Slam dunking it, Benton Lamebron Johnson. It was all the research I did. He has some, like, secret assistant guy that comes in here and hands him his sheet of pics. <laughs> I want to know, is that like a premium VIP yeah. package yeah. that I can get in on? I'm going to go Duke. Really? Uh, no, you know, I'm going to go Texas Tech. Oh, because Bob said really? Yeah, I mean, well, no. Uh-huh. Autumn, no, uh-huh. I'm, going, I'm going off your picks now, Autumn. Oh, well, that's a mistake. Yeah, that's secret right. agent, man, what do I do? Hoops Hysteria, presented by Sheridan Motors and Homestar. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse brought to you by Eliason Financial. I'm Floyd Whiting. With me this morning is Executive Director of the Museum at the Bighorns, Michaela Laro. History After Dark now, this is uh, something that uh, a lot of people take part in. It's big down at the museum, and they have got a new subject to keep you learning about our local history. Michaela, for those who may not know, uh, what is History After Dark? Yeah, so History After Dark is a kind of our fall through spring um, mini lecture series. So we uh, flex between having staff. And guest speakers come in and talk about various aspects of Sheridan County history that you may never have heard about before. So is that kind of the after dark aspect of it? Yes, it's in the evening after you get off work. <laughs> so everyone can get there. Yes. Now, uh, when do they meet? What time do they meet? Yeah, so History After Dark is the second to Thursday um, for those seasonal months. Our last one will be in May. Um, but it is from 6 to 7 o'clock at the museum, or 7.30-ish, Somewhere around there. Yeah, like, we don't hold the speakers to an hour, but at a certain point, like, if they keep going, it's like, hi, we would like to go home. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, at the same time, boy, if you've got great conversation going, Mm -hmm. you know, you just want it to keep going. Yes, very much so. Um, and so, yeah, so it's uh, from uh, um, about 6 to about 7.30, closer to 8 in the evening. Um, now, granted, if you're on a tight time schedule and you're like, well, I need to be home before 8, you'll be able to be home before 8. Yeah. It's just for the people who kind of want to hang out and ask questions after. Now, can you give us a little sneak peek of Henry Burgess, yeah. a distinguished Sheridan native, rancher, soldier, and lawyer? Yes, so Henry Burgess is an amazing individual, to say the least. Um, You might actually uh, have walked across a bridge here in Sheridan that is named after him. Um, But uh, Henry was active in World War II. And uh, not to go into great detail, because I don't want to ruin the um, series, um, but Don Fisk will be talking about... um, of an overview of Henry's life, but he will be focusing in on his World War II service. Um, Henry actually orchestrated and um, conducted a raid that is still taught in U.S. military schools today as the epitome of what the military wants to see when they go in on raids like this. Um, wow. Yes, um, down from 
uh, kind of the uh, uh, reconnaissance missions that are done and the information that's shared down to, they won't say it like this, I'm sure, but the fact that sometimes radios just go dead. Uh, and and, and it, what do you do it, then? Well, no, it's more like the commander on the ground is just like, I didn't hear that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and continues to do what they want. Um, and of course, the military is not going to encourage you to do that, but um, yes, uh, Don will be uh, focusing in kind of on his military service, and then um, some of the things that happened after he came out. He became a prominent lawyer here in Sheridan. Um, and Pearl Logan despised him <laughs> very much so because he is the one who shut down Sheridan's infamous red light district. Oh, oh. Because he meant it when he said, we're not going to have it anymore. And uh, he was the first one with the backbone to actually execute it. Really? Yep. And that's why our red light district died. <laughs> Such a shame. Um, World War II here, okay, man? It wiped her out. He yeah. was the first, he was Sheridan's first vice officer. Uh, well, in theory, there were other vice officers, but they, you know, were fine. <laughs> they kind of let it slide. Yeah, a they let bit things more. slide because. Uh, well, we won't get into that. <laughs> now, what do I need to do to be a part of this? Yeah, so it just um, we don't encourage people to show up at the museum at 5 because we're setting up and whatnot. But, you know, come in time for the event. We do have limited seating. Um, so seating is essentially first come, first served. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, and if you are a museum member, the event is free. And if uh, you are not a member, you're more than welcome to join that evening and be a part of the museum and everything that we do. Um, or it's just $5 per person. Nice. Now, uh, I only got about uh, two minutes left. Yeah. What is going on for Tidbit yes, this month? Yes, Tidbit. So you can still sign up for uh, our next Tidbit, which will be in April. It will be on April 16th. The kids will be learning about old-fashioned crafts and especially the old-fashioned patterns that came with it. So think kind of like embroidery, quilting, um, maybe even some wood burning in there. Um, just some uh, of those things. And then the kids will get to have a fun activity where they kind of execute what they have learned. Oh, wow. So they get to make a little something on their yeah, way out. How cool do. is that? You know, quilting is such a huge huge thing out here in the west uh, yeah. not that it's not back east but these things you know can become family heirlooms mm -hmm. uh certain i don't know what they call it like the star the flash oh, or something yeah that, and the design yeah, yeah so beautiful that some moms and dads uh, in nebraska that i went back there to visit family they hang a particular one on the house like a symbol of their family mm -hmm. and then they sew that into the or they quilt that into multiple quilts that they make and yeah. i think it's just it's just great mom's got her symbol too yeah that's mom's shield i yes. think it's absolutely beautiful <laughs> michaela i want to thank you so much for taking time come visit with us this morning yeah, thank and you. uh make sure that uh, you head on down there check out those new exhibits learn a little bit about your land and about a very uh, rambunctious uh, vice officer here in Sheridan. <laughs> All right. When we return, we will have an interview with the new Sheridan County Emergency Management Coordinator. This is Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan.
What is your business worth? Have you considered buying or selling a business? Our certified valuation professionals at Harker Mellinger can help you determine the proper values in gifting, estate planning, and the purchase or sale of your business. This is Chance Harris. Harker Mellinger has been providing professional valuation services for Sheridan area businesses since 1995. Schedule an appointment today to discuss how a business valuation can work for you. Parker Mellinger, 672-0785. It's spring cleaning time and few things make you feel better than having a clean, shiny car or truck. It's almost like driving a new vehicle. Everybody seems to be checking you out. Feel that way again with a stop at Martini Detailing. The Martini crew will have you looking shiny and new in no time. They'll even pick up and deliver your vehicle within the city limits. Hey, it's not too early to get a gift card for Mother's Day as well. Visit Martini Detailing today at 409 Broadway in Sheridan. The office supply department continues to expand at the Sheridan Commercial Company. Hi, Kurt Smith here. Need office supplies? We're here to help. We're adding more in-stock items all the time. You can also go online to SheridanCommercial.com and view over 42,000 office supply items that you can have delivered to your office or to our store. We'll even deliver them. SheridanCommercial.com is an office supply mega website. The Sheridan Commercial Company office supply department inside at 303 Broadway or online at SheridanCommercial.com. Frackletons brings you this fat of the week from the dog and cat shelter. Mo is an energetic ball of fun, ready for his new home with his new family. His ideal day would be a long hike in the mountains, then coming home with the family to barbecue in the backyard. Mo will complete your family. Nessie is a lovely lady looking for a home where she can curl up and not have a care in the world. This sweet cat loves being around people all day long and wants to have a lap to call her own. Come and meet Nessie today. Your extra vehicle may be worth more than you think, Troy Baker. Bob, the demand for quality pre-owned vehicles remains high. Hammers is buying all makes and all models. If you have a vehicle you're no longer in love with, call or stop by. We can even come to your home and see it. Once we inspect your vehicle and verify its condition, we'll give you a check on the spot. If you want to sell, we're ready to buy. There's no better time than now to maximize your profit and make it a hassle-free transaction. Hammer Chevrolet at 107 East Alger, online at hammerchevy.com. Today isn't just another ordinary day. It's time for you to make a career change. And your locally owned McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette would like you to join their team. Owner Larry Storo. Bob, you can earn up to $15 per hour. And even better is that you can work today and get paid tomorrow. We'll help you improve your career potential with benefits that include health insurance, paid vacation, tuition assistance, flexible scheduling, food discounts, and more. Apply in person today at your locally owned McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. Emergency Management Coordinator, Jesse Ludekaus. Ludekaus is very busy, and so last week he joined me for a recorded interview. The mission of the Sheridan County Emergency Management Team is to lessen the effects of a disaster on the lives and property of Sheridan County through leadership, coordination, and support. I am joined this morning by Sheridan County Emergency Management Coordinator, Jesse Ludekaus. Yes. All right, so first off, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Southern California, um, and uh, yeah, I was born in, well, I was born in Texas, but uh, grew up in Redlands, California, and 
yeah, I graduated from school there and spent most of my time in Southern California. What brought you all the way up here to Wyoming? Well, um, I was a police officer for 13 years, uh, and then um, I was injured during the Tubbs fire, which was a big wildfire just like the Boulder fire. And um, after I was injured during that, um, I medically retired from law enforcement. So um, I was injured during those that, that big wildfire, and as soon as my retirement was, was pretty much completed, I said, I'm getting out of California. So, yeah. Uh, I would have left much sooner if I could have, but um, the retirement system was really good there. And uh, But once I was no longer shackled to that, I was quickly out of that state. So when it came to California, uh, were you in a, a, a metropolitan area? Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of California is that way. Um, Southern California, yes. Uh, half my career was in the city of San Bernardino. And then the other half of my career was in the city of Santa Rosa, and that's where I eventually retired from. Wow. Are those rough places? Are they considered rough places for law enforcement? I mean, you guys see a lot when you were there. Yeah, the city of San Bernardino is, is a very rough city. Uh, we would usually deal with 65 to 75 homicides a year, and we oh have a higher crime rate than the city of Compton. Holy cow. Yes can't even imagine having to go to work every day like that. So things like uh, emergency response, something you're quite used to. Yeah, and that was part of the reason why this was such a good fit for me was because uh, in my law enforcement career, we spent a lot of time responding to all kinds of emergencies from floods, um, wildfires, earthquakes, um, and uh, just you know, major homicide cases and things like that. So you're, you're coming to the table with quite a bit of experience underneath your belt, uh, especially for things that I'm, I'm hoping Wyoming never sees. So what is that like, that stark contrast coming out of an area that I guess you could say chaotic in, in some terms uh, to some place that's so calm and com- compared? Uh, it's amazing. So... Um, it, it, it's a great place to work if you want the action, but uh, it's not a great place to raise a family. And so uh, we, you know, I took this opportunity to get my family out of the toxic environment that was California. And um, my kids go to school here now, and, and it's a much better lifestyle and something that I've really appreciated that this community has really supported us and accepted us. And, um allowed my children to thrive in a way that they never did in California. So uh, we love it here. So you are a family man. Oh, yes, I am. Now, what are the duties of an emergency management coordinator? Oh, I have a lot of uh, responsibility within the county. Uh, First and foremost, uh, the emergency manager is the direct contact for Homeland Security for the state. So uh, although I am hired by the county, I'm appointed by the governor, so it's it's an appointed position by the governor himself. And so um, the job really entails me planning for any kind of likely emergency within the county. And then if something does happen, then my job is to hopefully manage the emergency and then provide guidance to the elected officials on how to best address those emergencies. But if the emergency itself goes beyond the scope and the ability of the county, then it's my responsibility to then reach out to the state 
and to let them uh, know that we need help and assistance. And at that point, I'll make that phone call to Homeland Security at the state level, and then they can provide additional resources. So it's really about planning, preparing, and then um, responding to any kind of emergency that could be within the county. Now, do you have contingency plans written up? Uh, what to do if kind of sitting around, uh, plans ready to put into action should anything happen right away? Yeah, so the county has a very large document, well over 500 pages, that is our emergency operations plan. And inside that plan has everything from floods, wildfires, uh, now pandemics, um, mass casualty events, um, anything that, that would be likely within the county. And then if those events happen, then we can go to that document and we can see exactly how we're going to respond, and it's already pre-planned. What would you say is the most important part of your job? When, when you sit down and you're like, this is one thing that I, I couldn't miss or I, I can't mess up when the time comes, what would you say that that was? If you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. And so planning is by far the most important, I think. Um, you know, We hope that nothing major happens, and, but we do plan for the worst-case scenarios. And so um, if I've done my job properly, then we have plans in place to respond to most any eventuality um, in one way or another to hopefully protect lives and to protect property and then to mitigate any type of disaster. If a disaster does come, which they will come, um, you know, we just try to lessen the effect on the community as best as possible. So humor me for a second, Jesse. Um, one of these plans is the sum of all fears, uh, kind of the uh, nuclear deterrent type of uh, plan. Uh, is it there? Do, do we have one for Sheridan? <laughs> we do have stuff for nuclear radiation and biological uh, releases. Um, but really the plan is to scream for help and <laughs> yeah. get help. So, yeah. When we have a major event of that kind of scale, um, my responsibility in that would be to hold down the fort until the cavalry comes. Uh, so, yeah. um, and, and somebody of a much higher level. And so the state does have, and the whole region has a response team that's run by the, the military. And so if something like a nuclear device goes off or something like that, then they have a response team that could be here within an hour and a half. They have their own medical team, they have their own helicopters, they have their own staff and everything else, and that is their responsibility. They were developed after 9-11, and so they can quickly respond to our community or any community that would be um, affected by anything like that. I imagine that uh, that event, 9-11, probably changed uh, the way that emergency management coordinators all over the country, uh, not just how they perform their job, but how, what they had to look at. You know, I'm sure that beforehand they probably didn't think that, you know, a terrorist attack would happen anywhere in the United States. And now it, is, is it something that I'm sure it's not at the forefront of your mind, but it is something that we have to be concerned with uh, in this modern day and age, uh, whether that be domestic or foreign terrorist action. Uh, it, does that come down on top of you as well, uh, something like that? Yes, Um a lot of our funding that's for my position, it, it 
we must include terrorist-related activities in those plans. Before 9-11, it was really something that uh, major cities and states and the federal government kind of focused on, and it wasn't really handled on a local level. But after 9-11, a lot of that did get uh, you know, brought into the more local level on how to respond to those incidents. And the emergency manager position that I currently hold um, a lot of counties didn't have, especially smaller counties, didn't have this kind of position. They had emergency operations plan, but they didn't have somebody specifically to plan and prepare and exercise the plans. So um, 9-11 changed a lot of that, and a lot of federal requirements came out that counties had to prepare for emergencies, and then they provided grant funds to make sure that these positions were funded. Wow. That- the time we live, right? Yeah. And now, what what inspired you to accept the position in the first place? Was it just the lo- – you were like, you know, that's a great job. It's a beautiful location. Or was there something a little bit more than that? So I moved here to Sheridan before this job became available. So um, I actually was working at uh, Westview Healthcare Center for a while. And um, so we had moved to Sheridan before – this opportunity became available. So uh, what really prompted me to take this position or even to apply was when I was responding to the Tubbs fire that was in Santa Rosa, um, there was no emergency plan for that kind of disaster that had taken place or none that I at least knew of as a police officer. We were scrambling for a couple of days just, just to figure out what was going on and how to respond. And I felt very underprepared and um, really at a loss. And so I didn't want that to happen to the community here. And so um, when I saw this opportunity that this position was becoming open and available, I really wanted to hopefully prepare this community and to ensure that, you know, people didn't die like they did in the Tubbs fire. Um, not only did I respond to that fire, but but my family and I, we lost everything in that fire. So our house also burned to the ground during that. And so, um, you know, the disaster on top of disaster really hit home. And so uh, how could I not apply for this position with, you know, my law enforcement experience, the fact that I have a master's degree in public administration, um, you know, and, and all the other experiences that I've had in my personal life. I thought I would be a good fit because not only have I planned and trained for other disasters, but I've also lived through them. And so I can bring not only just the the thought process of how to plan for one, but what actually happens during those. And, and things look great on paper sometimes, but actually living through it, there's no experience like that. And and that I can, I can fully understand. Now, what would you say was, would be the most challenging aspect of uh, coming into a new position and getting to know everybody up at, up at City Hall or the, up at the county? Um, what would you say is the most challenging part of your job so far? It is learning all the different players within the community, um, you know, getting to know all the mayors and all the elected officials and the police chiefs and the fire chiefs 
and and I'm I'm still surprised by the number of fire districts that we have in this county, um, and and getting everybody to to continue to work together for emergency preparedness and getting everybody to the table, which they've been great at, is just learning who they are and and in making sure I include everybody, um, and so. The biggest challenge, though, has been really there's so many different re- grant requirements and there's so many different requirements and strings that are attached by the federal government on my jobs, on my job and learning what those are. And go and so I've been spending a lot of time in training classes and things like that, learning about all kinds of different aspects of this, this assignment. So... Although I have the experience in law enforcement, emergency preparedness really encompasses much more than just law enforcement. It has to deal with fire and, you know, um, public health and, and everything else that you can think of in the community. And so it's really learning how to, who the experts are in those fields within the community and bringing them to the table so that they can supplement what I don't know because I don't know everything and I never will. Exactly, and and I would have to say, uh, uh, in that we we do share something, and that is getting to know the experts. Uh, as a journalist, you know that's who I want to go to. That's who I want to ask the questions of, and so having it, it's much more of a challenge than what I think people believe or know out there in the general public. Uh, there's a lot of people who know, but usually there's only a handful of individuals who are true experts in in various subject matter. So you said you, you, you hold a master's degree in, in public administration? That's correct, yes. Now, what inspired you to, to do that as, as you were going to school? So most people don't realize, but in law enforcement, uh, 50% of police officers that start their career in law enforcement never finish all the way to retirement. And so uh, it was smart of me to, and, and people had told me, you need to get a degree in in something that you enjoy so that if something happens to you and you can't finish your career in law enforcement, you have something to go back on. And so uh, luckily I did that because it allows me to be where I am today in this position because I have that not only experience, but I have that training and education. And so that was important to me. And something a very smart move. Uh, always have always have a backup plan, right? As our county plan, you, even, yes. even you have a backup plan. Now, what is the most likely disaster uh, for the Sheridan region? As you sit down and you're like, okay, we're gonna look at what is more likely to happen than something else. Uh, I'm, I'm right off the top of my head. I'm thinking probably forest fire, maybe flood, uh, but that would really be just about the only thing I could think of. Yeah, so when it comes to the forest fire portion, luckily, I mean, I have some plans in place, but that's really handled by the fire marshal and and his department. So I don't have a lot of response to wildfires that's usually handled by the Forest Service and the fire marshal and things like that. Now, obviously, if it starts to encroach into towns, then I would have much more of an involvement in that. But um, so, but for me... In my position, uh, floods, the big flood of 2019 that was here in the community, that just is another example of, of that's the last major disaster that's been here in Sheridan and Sheridan County. And um, 
that continues and will always be a threat in the spring. So flood probably more likely than anything else. Is the emergency management coordinator responsible for response drills? So have you ever uh, thought about running a scenario or a drill to see response times and, and coordination results? Yeah, so part of the planning is not only the planning, but the exercise portion of that, and that's part of my role and responsibilities. And so, yes, we um, uh, part of my requirement is I have to do at least five different exercises each year, and that's part of my grant requirement. So to continue grant funding, we have to do that. Now, four of them can be what we call tabletop exercises, where we all sit down and we practice just in a room kind of thing. And, and kind of think through how response would go, but at least one of them has to be a full-scale exercise where we actually practice it and go through it. And we have one of those planned already for this year. Oh, fantastic. Uh, are we allowed to know when? Well, uh, I won't tell you the, the details of exactly when, but it is going to be up at the airport. So the airport is required to do a full-scale exercise this year. It's part of their funding with and the fact that they have um, they have passengers planes they're required by the FAA to do uh, oh, wow. train, a full-scale exercise once every three years. And so, so you guys just partner up? Yeah, because, I mean, that obviously is going to include many different aspects. It's going to include our emergency operations plan, but um, the airport's ability to respond, we have to have numerous casualties as a part of the training exercise. So it'll include all the, you know, police and the the fire departments and the sheriff's department and the hospital, too. Oh, wow. So the hospital is involved in this. The, the yes. drill goes all the way over to Sheridan Memorial. Yes, because we have to do some transportation. So we have to transport some some victims um, of this mass casualty, this this event, to the hospital. And then they have to work on it on their part, too. So. Was there anything when you sat down you're like, you know what, I think we could really use some improvement in... X, Y, or Z, is there anything that you feel we should focus on as a county within our emergency management coordination? Um, I would like to see some more exercises. There's a lot of stuff in plans, but um, that was, you know, luckily our prior emergency manager did spend time uh, putting together some things that could be improved. Uh, the biggest thing that the county has really supported me on is our emergency operations plan that I was discussing before that has how we're going to respond to everything. The last major update wasn't until was, the last major update was in 2014. Oh wow! And so and there's a lot that changed since then. So they've agreed that we're going to use a, a contractor to be able to go through that document because again, like I said, it's over 500 pages long. And there's only one of me, so I'm <laughs> gonna need a team. <laughs> I need a team of people to help to go through and refresh that that document, and then we can we'll have a good working document to go forward from. Jesse, thank you so much for coming in. I greatly appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to working with you in the future. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 9:30 KROE and 103.9 FM, Sheridan.
Have you heard? VacuTech is now hiring assemblers, welders, installers, design drafters, engineers, and more with great opportunities for advancement. Working at VacuTech is much more than just a job, it's a career. VacuTech offers outstanding benefits, including comprehensive health, dental, vision coverage, matching 401k, paid time off, and referral bonuses, not to mention top-notch compensation. For more information and to apply, visit VacuTech's Open Opportunities page on their website at VacuTechLLC.com. In honor of National Doctors' Day, March 30th, Sheridan Memorial Hospital recognizes our physicians. The board and staff thank all of our doctors for their commitment and service to our community. We are fortunate to have a wide array of physicians in over 20 specialty areas. If you want to thank your doctor, like Sheridan Memorial Hospital on Facebook, and you can post your special message on our page for us to pass along. Sheridan Memorial Hospital, medical excellence right here at home. Bonjour, this is Gaston. We invite you to the Bighorn High School production of Beauty and the Beast. April 1st through April 8th at Bighorn High School. purchased at BighornDrama.com and at the door. Come enjoy this classic love story like you've never seen before. Starring me. Come please. I'm professional. Uh, we, we hope, hope to, to see, see you, you at, at the, the show. show. Sponsored in part by Sheridan Media. following message is presented by the Home Loan Center of First Federal Bank and Trust on Coffee and Avenue. Red flashing lights on the school bus indicate that kids are loading and unloading. I'm Police Chief Travis Coltista reminding you that when a school bus is parked with red lights flashing, all vehicles approaching from either direction are required to stop until the red lights are turned off. Fair to stop for a school bus loading or unloading children can result in a large fine or worse yet, cause a serious or fatal injury to a child. It's not just the bus driver's job to get the kids to and from school safely. It's all our responsibility. Is it time to get down on one knee and ask her for her hand? At Legacy Diamond and Gems, finding her dream engagement ring just got easier. Legacy offers hundreds of styles in the store or explore their website for inspiration. Looking for a gorgeous and unique engagement ring? Legacy's in-house jewelers can bring your ideas to life with original craftsmanship and quality second to none. Legacy Diamond and Gems, downtown Sheridan, online at LegacyDiamondGems.com. <laughs> 